Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Jock Mailbag. Joining me as usual is Clarky. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Let's do it. And joining us is, well, a man that Clarky probably didn't want to see this week after the weekend, but uh, Baron Van Crow joins us. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Thank you for having me, fellas. You son of a bitch. You suck it, Clarky. Suck it. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, we'll get straight into it and we'll talk about our favorite footy moments from the weekend. Uh, I guess we'll go to Baron because I assume it's... Yeah, Baron, what's your favorite moment from this week, huh? Huh? What's your favorite moment? Tell me! It flew under the radar a bit and I'm a keen-eyed observer, so I noticed this, but there was this game that happened on the weekend where Adelaide beat Melbourne by a point. That was no. quite enjoyable to me. You don't say. Yeah, you yeah. son of a. <laughs> uh, nah, look, it, it's it was a very good game. Like I think uh, I put it out on Twitter not not long after the game, but I think I kind of. It sucks that like those those umpiring calls right at the end happened because I think it takes away a lot from how well Adelaide played. You know, every team on their best day can beat any other team in the league. So and Adelaide really, really. Like they earned it and well deserved, and not just that game. There's been other games where late umpiring decisions has probably decided the result as well. So yeah, but that was Geelong. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're very gracious though, Clarky. Very gracious. Ah, uh, look, you know, I've had Melbourne's been through worse times than losing by one point in a nine and one season. And Clarky, what was your favourite footy moment from the weekend? I loved the Cameron Zohar mark. I don't know if you guys saw it, but dude was horizontal when he caught that. Uh, just, oh, oh, just beautiful, beautiful. Mark of the week for sure. Or Shane Mumford somehow getting his old bones airborne. Uh, that was just two of their, we're talking singular footy moments. Loved them. Great moments. I'm surprised that there wasn't a hole for them to refill in Spotless Stadium afterwards. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't kill anyone. The well, yeah, shockwave from impact. He had that look in his eye from about the, the middle of the first quarter that he wanted to run through Nick Natanui. So you know, it, it it almost became the it almost became that. I low key think that there may be a point if GWS get desperate enough that he becomes an enforcer again. Yeah, probably, but they probably have to get their ruck department going first. Oh, yep. Fresh news. Are we are we doing fresh news off the top. Braden Pruce. Yeah, we'll talk about muscle. Braden Pruce. He's um, torn his pectoral in the Giants' gym, lift lifting weights. It's a regular size gym, but because it's at the <laughs> Giants. Yeah. But yeah, another eight weeks. Long live Flynn. Or Briggs. Long live Flynn. Uh, what was your favorite footy moment from the weekend, Damon? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I could say the Dockers win, but my favorite footy moment from the weekend, I think, was it's in that win, but it's not the win itself. It was seeing Rory Lobb finally playing the way that we want him to play at the Dockers. Like, we need him to be that guy that takes marks every time the ball comes his way, and it and kicks goals every time he has the opportunity. We, we can't have a guy that 
plays noticeably second fiddle to, to Matt Taberner, especially considering that Matt Taberner might be out for a couple of weeks with with an ankle in with an ankle in injury, despite only being a test for this week. Who who knows how how long that turns into? Yeah, so I mean, you know, definitely definitely good for you guys to get up uh, after a loss last week. Love that, love a bit of a comeback. How did your Supercoach team go on the weekend, Baron? Um, I got just below par. Um, so I dropped 500 spots, I think, in the rankings, um, which is not ideal, but could have been worse for me, just based on uh, a few of my bench players not doing too well. What's your, what's your current season rank, Baron, if uh, you don't mind me asking? Uh, it was... Life Currently at five thousand four hundred sixty-four. Okay, beautiful. That's all right. No, if you're if you're doing well, then I'm I'm doing okay. Then uh, I hit a twenty-two thirty-four. Uh, I was projected much higher, but once again, I feel like every week there's just one or two problems that just come up and just kind of hurt me. Like it's maybe you know, Caleb, uh, not not Caleb Daniel, Jaden Short. The other guy, uh, 77 and Stephen May, 72, hurt me. James Jordan dropping a 47. Anthony Scott's 18, um, hurt a lot of people. And I didn't have a loophole to take the Clary VC, the double ton, and because Highmore was named as the medical sub. And I just couldn't take that risk. Um, Baron, did you get the Clayton Oliver VC score or captaincy score? I uh, know, because I went with Gone because everyone had been smashing Rob. So Okay. No, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah. there are some people who did miss out on Clayton Oliver's 205 and their reasoning behind it was pretty sound. But, you know, obviously th- these things happen. And How do you predict magic, Damo? Exactly right. And- I have both Gorn and Oliver. So generally I've just been sticking with Gorn no matter what over Oliver. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting just inside the top 5,000 uh, at the moment, but hopefully that won't change too much. Damo, how'd you go? I scored a twenty-four twenty because Ooh. I was able to to get Clayton Oliver's score and, and double it as my captain. Um, but I'm not doing as well as you guys in the rankings because I had a couple of very very bad weeks when I was relying on too many rookies to score well on my field. So I've now sort of eradicated that now, and I've only got three rookie spots on field to upgrade. And so, ho- hopefully, I start moving in the right direction. I'm I'm average. I'm ranked around uh, eight thousand now. That's I, all right. I, I I I was ranked at about twelve thousand a few weeks ago. So eight hey, top ten k baby. So I'm moving up in the world, but um. Yeah, I think I just I, I just I just need to continue that momentum going forward. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of strategies are starting to play out and it's really what's separating people, you know, moving forward. Yeah, there are some teams that really um, sort of upgraded quite aggressively to begin with and now people are catching up with them. So they're not separated from, from the pack as much as they were. And that, and I'm finding people that moved quickly with their upgrades are also running into issues like, obviously, trades running, running out, but also in... In, also injury injury occurring with those big players that they would have got in at that time. So it sort of leveled itself out in that sort of respect. Yeah. Um, I mean, just quickly before we get into the questions, uh, how many trades are you guys sitting at? 
I'm not going to answer this question because I feel like it's way too little to what I should have. But I mean, <laughs> but g- given the way my team is, I'm not worried about how many trades I have left. I just don't want to be roasted for the amount that I do have left. Baron? I have 18 left. Well, Damo, you're probably doing better than me. I have 13 before trades this week. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing better. We're no, we're we're actually like right, right, right there together. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's, and you know, what? it's fine. I've only got I think four rookies on field at the moment, so I've got enough to hopefully get to full primo. And I don't think it matters how much trades you have left. I think it matters how you plan to use them. Exactly. If, if you. If if you reckon you're gonna get your team completed with a with three or four trades, maybe even five left over, then you've sort of then you've done fine. I mean, it doesn't matter if you've used twenty nine already, twenty nine, nineteen already. Twenty nine is bad. If you've used twenty nine, <laughs> you've broken supercoach. If, if you've somehow used twenty twenty nine, I don't know how. Um, but yeah, I don't think it matters how many trades you have left as long as you've used them well. Um, obviously there are some people who have traded in Dunkley and then he's got injured and, and then Butters and then he's got injured and then, and then Neil and he's got injured. And it's just, some people have just run into that bad luck over, over and over again. But then, then there are other people who have run into the Dunkley issues, but it's used Dunkley to sort of fix their team in, a, in, in other ways. Like I th- a few weeks ago, I think I mentioned, I turned Josh Dunkley into two premiums because of his high price. I was able to move Dunkley on with a rookie to bring in two sort of value-priced premium players, which has worked out perfectly for me and has sort of pushed me along that little bit further, which is exactly what I was looking to do. So you can turn an an injury into into a positive. You just have to use, you know, the funds that that player has well. Um, Baron, who are you looking to captain for this weekend? Um, I'm sticking with uh, Gorn again as my uh, VC since he's playing on Friday. Um, captain is it's. I'm just finding it really hard this week to pick a captain. Um, my gut would say someone in the midfield from Richmond as the captain, but I don't have anyone. So <laughs> I've at this stage it'll be vice captain Gorn and Captain Grundy. Yeah, I think I'm going to run with that as well. What about you, Clarky? Yeah, I think look, VC on Gorn against Jordan Sweet, it looks like at the moment. Um, could be really good. Gorn still dominating in the hitouts, even though he's sharing those ruck duties. And because he's moving his position around, still scoring points. Um, don't mind a possible Clayton Oliver, but just because he's on a really hot run of form. Um, somebody who I don't have, though, uh, for those owners out there, maybe Jack Steele against North. I think could be a, a little cheeky C option later in the week. I mean, we said Tom Mitchell was going to go crazy against North and he didn't. So I am worried about Jack Steele in that respect. But the way St. Kilda has been covered off in the media this week, you'd probably expect them to come out pretty fired up. So Jack Steele could be a very good captain option, but you'd want to make sure you'd want to have a VC score to sort of back you up in yeah. case like you chicken out at the last minute. Yeah, I think the big guns are up first and second this week, so they're going Grundy. So VC on either one of those is perfectly cromulent. As is going to be doing a captaincy article for the website, so look out for that uh, possibly later today or tomorrow, but before the weekend, I assume it would come out. Um, 
I assume most of our teams are pretty close to complete. Yeah, I'm about I'm about four or five decent trades, not including downgrades, but four or five from a full primo where I can just go, yep, it's done. I hope this works out. Yeah, I'm probably about three. I'm three rookies away from having a, a full primo team. I'm not worried about my bench at this stage because obviously that doesn't score points for you unless you need them to cover an injury. So I'm more worried about moving my rookies off field at this stage. So I need to move three players off my field. What about you, uh, Baron? Uh, yeah, I'm about uh, five short at the moment. Uh, two defense, two forward, and one in midfield. Yeah. So Jay has sort of asked a question in, re- in relation to the team's um, – what is the best strategy moving forward? Should we be looking for bargains or should we be looking to bring in the top performing players? It it depends. It depends a lot on where your position is. Um, so I was talking to Baron a little bit before we started this where uh, I've identified my two biggest problems with my super coach team where uh, I need trades and I need money uh, and I don't have either of those. Uh, so I think if... If you're struggling for cash, but you've got a decent set of rookies to sort of look at your upgrades and downgrades, you're one up, one down. You're probably going to get to bring in some really decent guys, but you always want to be looking for value where possible if you're struggling to generate cash. But I mean, there are some people who are sitting around with war chests of like a couple hundred thousand and it's like, oh, well, I want to bring in the bond this week. Well, it's like, well, hey, if you can afford to do that. You know, he's probably at top price at the moment. That's not a bad trade if you think that it's going to help you in the long term. Yeah, and I think it. I think there's a delicate position where you have to probably look at it two ways. How does it... If you bring in a top-line player, but you're also struggling to create cash, would it be better to save that 100K and use it to bring in another 500K player in a couple weeks? Like... I think that's sort of that delicate position where you want the players that are going to be scoring 110 plus most weeks, but you also want to be able to bring in players to replace your rookies. And so I think if you can afford to bring in a top line mid, then that's fine. But you also need to, to know that you need to bring in the bargains that are around the corner as well. Like the Gold Coast Suns released today that that Matt Rowell is due back in what three weeks or whatever. Oh, he's he's going to get down to about four hundred and fifty k. He only needs to average one hundred and five for the season to be a reasonable M seven and M seven to M eight. And he could do even better than that because he's the king, and we he... simp for Rowell over here. Yeah, Baron, where do you stand on this? Yeah, it's it's. Definitely a hard one to plan just because of how chaotic this season's been. It kind of reminds me of um, the Wallace and Gromit video, you know, where he's riding the train and just laying the tracks in front of him as he goes and hopes he doesn't run out. Like, that's just yes. kind of what yeah. I'm doing this year. Just, yeah. just oh, I've got to, I Especially can't Especially all the injuries as well. Yeah. Uh. It's just so hard to plan a, a strategy, a long-term strategy this year, which does lead me towards basically buying what you can afford now, which would be those lesser price players. Like yeah. and, and it depends who they are. Someone like Dustin Martin is cheap. And to me that's that's kind of like a no brainer pick, you know, that's not a risky pick. He will come good again. Yeah. And to get him at the price he's at now is just I don't see that as settling for a lesser player. 
Yeah, and, and at a time when you're picking up your players that have dropped in price dramatically, that, that's not the time to trade players who have dropped in price dramatically either. Like yeah. Mitch has asked what he should do with Dan Houston as our next question. And to be honest, I think you got to keep him because you don't know how many trades you're going to have left in, what, six to seven rounds. You could, you could be – that trade of Dan Houston sideways to another player could be the difference between you finishing your team and being left with a Bo McCreary at – in, in your forward six position. Like I think because Dan Houston has that ceiling and has the ability to score hun- hundreds and do it consistently, he's the sort of player that you have to keep despite the fact that he has dropped a 48 and an, and an 82 in the last five weeks. Yeah. I think um, it's like guys like Dan Houston are the perfect example of you know, just because he's expensive and it means that it's less cash to go to somebody else doesn't mean it's the most optimal move. And uh, we always say here, Jock, uh, do as we preach and not as we do. Uh, so I know we've all definitely been, you know, guilty of looking over the greener pastures. But guys like Dan Houston are not going to be your biggest problem when Anthony Scott drops an 18. You know, like, yeah, you know that Dan Houston is going to have a down week maybe every now and then, but he's also got, you know, 150s in his scoring history you, and there's not a lot of players who you can get at the prices that they're at or that you can stick to who are going to deliver that potential every week yeah and i know some people like to say that potential doesn't d- doesn't uh it uh, doesn't give you points but, but because potential can can mean nothing but in this year you sort of got to keep the players that you know can get to it that can get to that height because you just don't know what sort of trades or what injuries are going to be, be around the corner for your team. And unfortunately this year with about, well, I think it's like 23% of, of the total number of AFL players are injured at the moment. So that is a damning stat to consider when you think about who you need to keep and who, and who to trade out. Um, I missed the boat on CJ Jath, but he's another one that, People are wondering if he should be traded. And I guess people started him as a rookie. So he's someone that people were probably thinking that they would eventually have to trade. So I don't mind people trading him, but he's also not your biggest problem because he scored what he's, he had an, he had an injury affected game against North and then he scored 65 on the weekend as again, but the Hawks weren't great in either of those games. So hopefully against the Suns, he can rebound and score well again. But he's the sort of player I think you need to trade out immediately. I think, you know, um, it's easy to look at players in a vacuum sometimes as well. But, I mean, even looking at the his previous game, you know, the 65, they, you know, they, their opposition was directly making an effort to stop him from doing what he does great, which really reflected in his scoring. So I think if he's your biggest problem, then you're actually sitting probably a lot better than you think you are. Um, and, you know, it's kind of that thing where people wanted to fly him to the moon as a cheap price and now you're there. So really look at it as a case by case. I don't mind people trading him out. I think I'm with you on that demo. But at the same time, you you probably got bigger problems. We've all got the same problems really, which is rookies and money. All right, Baron, let's bring you in here. I'm going to hand you 500k to upgrade your defense. Are you selecting Darcy Moore or Lockie Whitfield? I am selecting Lockie Whitfield at the moment. That's based on previous scores and how well 
the Giants are playing compared to Darcy Moore and the Pies at the moment. So you're more worried about Darcy Moore being thrown back into that forward line? Oh, listen, if they do that, then someone's going to storm the Collingwood HQ because that is just such a silly idea to throw him back forward again. But he is much like Jath in that he'll have a good game, he'll have a bad game, he'll have a couple good games, he might have a couple bad games, whereas I'm less worried about Whitfield being up and down. If I'm bringing in a guy at the moment, I would prefer consistency over inconsistency, even if it costs me a bit more money. Yeah, and we saw on the weekend against West Coast, Lucky Whitfield is really starting to get his groove back after missing with that bruised liver, which was an awful injury to have in the first place. But he's now gone 110 in his last game and then 80 in the game before that. So, I mean, that's not really the consistency that you want to have in a defender, but it's more passing the eye test, especially for someone returning from injury, that you really want want to see. And his break-even is 107, so his price won't change too much if you want to have one more look at him before you pull the trigger. I guess the next question is directed at me from Tim Michel on uh, from the Herald Sun uh, from KFC Supercoach. Uh, is Adam Chera a legitimate M8 option? Uh, currently 408k. Uh, he's missed a couple games through that ankle injury that he suffered against Adelaide a few weeks ago. Um, so he's averaging 89 because of that injury affected score. Uh, but he has scored 102 and 88 since returning and had three scores above 120 in four games before that injury as well. At 408k, I don't think you've I don't think there's a bigger bargain this week. Baron? Yeah, say if you take out that game where he scored 15, his average is at 101 for the year. So for an M8, that would be okay and especially getting him for 408,000. Again, that would be if you still have a Tom Power or a James Jordan, that's not a huge jump to potentially solidify your M8 position for the year. Yeah, so I think he's a really good option. And the greatest thing about him is, and I don't know why this is the case, but opposition teams don't tend to tag him. It's more uh, it's more the Brayshaw, it's more Fife, it's more Mundy that the opposition teams seem to go for because I guess it comes down to most teams being like, what do we let off the leash if we tag this player? And while Adam Chair is a really good player, and he can be a damaging player because he finds space when when there is none. Andrew Brayshaw, Nat Fife, and David Mundy are more of the playmakers, I guess, in the Dockers lineup. So, um, so yeah, I think he's a really, really good buy this week, and especially if it's to complete your midfield, is he's at a really, really good price. We've had more questions about completing the midfield. Uh, someone also asking about Luke Parker. Pretty much the same average as Adam Chera if you take out the injury-affected game, but $110,000 more. Um, out of those two guys, I'm picking Adam Chera, but I am a huge Luke Parker fan. Yeah, Luke Parker is a bit expensive, uh, but he does have a higher ceiling, I think, than Chera. So I think if you're mixing around there and you want someone who can possibly make or break your week, uh, Luke Parker is probably a decent option if you want a little bit of spice. Uh, Three-round average of 105, five-round average of 99. Like you said, they're performing pretty similarly, minus 
you know, Chera's injury affected 15. So I think personally, value option is Adam Chera, uh, tried and true old guard, Luke Parker. I guess it depends how much money you have and what you're going to do with what you've got left over if you do go for the cheaper option. But he- heading into the buy rounds, just having that money in the bank might be a bit more valuable, to be honest. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Adam Chera is very close to Tom Powell's price. So it's not a huge jump to go from Powell to Chera and then still have a little bit of money to maybe bring in like a Dusty, who's uber cheap this week as well. You know, he's like 425 you know, that means you only need 800k and we've got, you know, guys like Flynn, Warner and all these really like Powell and Jordan who people are looking to trade out now. Like that's a lot of cash that you can, if you can spread it evenly over two good players, you don't necessarily need like one high tier and then one, you know, rookie or one downgrade that's not going to bring much more than, you know, 40, 50 points. Now, Clark, you spotted a question earlier from Anthony on Twitter. He asked... Uh, who's the better option, Lockie Hunter or Patrick Cripps? A few, a couple of other cheap guys. Lockie Hunter's 466K, averaging 86.9. Patrick Cripps is 418K, averaging 85.1. Um, Lockie Hunter's had some really good scores in these last three games with a 111 and 101 in there, while Patrick Cripps has only just started to scratch into the 90s um, again. Again, uh, hopefully he's getting fitter and we can see more of that and even better going forward. Um, out of those two guys, who would you go for? Look, for for my money, it's probably Hunter. Just with the Trelaw injury, he's kind of an outside player. They want the ball in his hands and he does use it pretty decently most of the time. Um, also, he doesn't have an injury cloud at the moment. Um, you know, they're not saying he's got a broken... What's what is it with Cripps? Is it his shoulder or is his back or is it both? It was like a fractured back or something. But just remember, yeah. Lockie Hunter is returning from that broken hand. Yeah, look, I'll take a broken hand over a broken back. To to be quite honest, in terms of injury clouds, because Patrick Cripps is he makes a lot of his points from hardball gets. He needs to be tackling a lot. He needs to have it. He's not been using it the best either, which you can also say is probably that you know that back would be affecting him. He is much cheaper. I think I'd probably want to see another 90 plus score from Crips before my money. Um, so I think if I had to flip a coin between the two, I'd probably go with Hunter personally, but I think it is really kind of a 50, 50 and who you feel more comfortable with, who screams out in your heart of hearts. Baron Patrick Crips has had the runs on the board in the past. Lucky Hunter, not so much, but it really is sort of like a 50, 50 decision, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tough one. I'd probably lean towards what Clarky said. Like a broken back, I just I can't see how you can play well with that kind of injury. Like you would just be struggling all the time. If anyone's ever had like a bad back before or back pain, that is picking the ball up off the ground, you know, just has to be tough with that kind of injury. So yeah, I would lean towards Hunter as well. Yeah, I think I'm probably leaning towards Lockie Hunter as well, especially if he can start getting the score, the scores that made him a top what, what top fifteen midfielder, like he was at the end of last season, which when Supercoach opened this season, everyone was like, 
what? I didn't realize he did that. Well, just remember, uh, like like all super funds, results may vary. Speaking of it, we'll talk about another bulldog. Is Cody Waitman worth his elevated rookie price? So he's currently 173k, almost 174k. He's played two games, so he's on the bubble. He's averaging 100. Uh, he's averaging 86.5. His break even is minus 70. So he's going to make a ton of cash this week, no matter what he scores. Um, he's scored 75 against Port Adelaide and then 98 versus St. Kilda. Is he worth his elevated rookie price? Because, I mean, if he's going to continue to average 86.5, we've kind of got a keeper here. Baron, I don't think he can, he can keep it up, though. I wouldn't expect him to keep it up, but it's not so much a matter of is he worth that price as much as what other options do you have at the moment and is he worth the price based on the other options that are available. Like if you look at the forward line players under 200K, you've got like Tom Wilson and Hugo Rousmith and it's like, well, they're scoring 20 or 30 points. That's no good. Or I'll say 50 grand and then make no money or any usable scores if they keep that up. So it just seems like normally maybe you would consider other options, but based on what is available, then yes, I would definitely consider it. Yeah, James Madden is also on the bubble this week with a 78 uh, against Richmond on Friday night. But obviously with Ryan Lester coming back and um, Jack Payne on the on, on the horizon, you don't know how well entrenched he is in that Brisbane Lions side, but he's going to be around for a couple of weeks. So you might be able to get him up to 200K, which might be good enough to to do some trades but yeah you really need someone who is going to pump themselves a little bit higher and Cody Waitman looks like he's firmly entrenched in that Bulldogs lineup at the minute who are our favorite players under 25 Matt Rowell Trent Rivers Baron um for me I've got I've got a list of five at the moment so I got Paris Andrews Sam Walsh Aaron Norton Jai Simpkin and Riley Tilthorpe all great players. Yes. I knew you'd slip in a Harris Andrews. In uh, here I didn't slip it in. I put it at the top of the list. Never never slips in. You never you never just slip in Harris Andrews. He's just there. He and I put him above there. Sam Walsh. I put Sam Walsh as a second just as a, a little dig at, at uh, Leck there. Oh, look. My uh, my top five is probably uh, Oscar Allen, Caleb Sarong, um, Andrew Brayshaw. I'm a massive fan of James Rowbottom and Aaron Norton. So those, those those are my five, Clarky. We only gave you two. So do, do, only, do you want to add, add to your list? You only needed two. I only needed two. I I love Trent Rivers. Uh, I'm a big fan of him, and I know that's a little bit biased being a Melbourne supporter, but I love watching him play. I think he has a lot of talent, and Matt Rowell is just king. Uh, I <laughs> I have just been absolutely just infatuated with Rowell because. I love a player who just seems to live and breathe footy as much as him. And that's not to say that there are other players that don't, but obviously publicly being, you know, a top draft pick and his run of injuries and still just, you know, all the photos of him just driving around V8 cars, making notes, assisting with coaching and, um, you know, really doing all that. It's just, I think I love seeing those kinds of things and it's really 
sort of elevated him for me as one of, you know, probably one of my favorite players actually in all of the AFL. So we've definitely completed the super coach questions for this podcast because we've, because the next two aren't even close to that. (laughs) If you, if you had to wear a jumper of a team you don't support every day, what would you choose? That's from super coach mama on Twitter. Now is this home and away kit or is it? I assume you can use any kit you like. Okay. Uh, Baron, I don't know if you've got one loaded for this one or if you need a bit of time, but I'll uh, let the guests go first. So I would pick Richmond because I can pretend it's the Glenelg Tigers jumper. That's fair. That's fair. I also do like as well, um, Werribee Tigers in the VFL. I reckon they have an awesome uh, Guernsey. I would buy one if they ever sold them because it just reminds me of Charlie Brown so much. Clarky, what are you going with? Um, I, there are a lot of jumpers that I like. Uh, there are a lot that I hate. Uh... <laughs> particularly uh, one that sticks out for the hated list, uh, which I know we're not talking about, but do you guys remember the orange and white North Melbourne jumpers? Yes. Oh, God. Very brief. Oh, fucking awful. Sorry. <laughs> Dropped an F. That is that bad, though. Do I get one? Is that is, the rule? Is it, is, is it as bad as that yellow jumper that St. Kilda wore for like oh, it's three worse. weeks? I would say it's worse. See, I always or, had the Carlton M&M's one in that category too, where they came out with the, what was it, like a really light blue one or something? Um, as far as if I had to wear one for a team that I don't support, probably Carlton, just because I like blue and it's really simple. Um, I like the one with just the prominent, the white logo with the navy colors, long-sleeved, of course, as is the Jock Reynolds way. Um, but also, actually, Baron, you might like this one. I really, really like the 2019 Sir Doug Nichols Indigenous jersey um, from Adelaide. I really liked that design. I thought it was really fantastic. I love the colour scheme and the art's beautiful. And um, I think actually a lot of the Indigenous jersey, I would wear pretty much any Indigenous jersey for any oh, club yeah. because they're all absolutely fantastic. Um, Geelong's this year, I think as well, is really, really nice, really schmick. Yeah, that that's really, really slick as well. Uh, West Coast with the snake. Melbourne's got like the symmetry thing going on. Uh, Sydney with the black, the black swan. God, they're all good. Damo, what about you? My boring answer would be the stock standard Western Bulldogs home jumper because I just like the way it looks. But if I'm going to go for an outside the box one, I really liked the uh, Giants one from earlier in the year that was just the black with the... uh, orange g for their uh yeah that looked really good the giants color scheme i think is probably one of my favorite color schemes in the afl oh sorry it's not black it's charcoal but you know (laughs) no that's a that's a good answer i like yeah i like that one too that one was really nice i think sometimes um teams can overcomplicate things when they go for old jerseys and that was just nice and simple and we should stipulate that all of these are with sleeves Yes. Yeah. No yep. sleeveless jumpers, please. Yep. All all of these are with sleeves. I'll take a um, rug. I'll take a rugby rugby top if you haven't got a, a jersey. Uh, that's fine. Just send me a long sleeve rugby top. Away from football entirely now. What is our preferred toast spread? It's got to be Vegemite. Yeah, Vegemite. Vegemite. Yeah. How, how can we be more typical <laughs> Australian? I mean, okay, all right. Let's 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 go down a different route. Does avocado count as a toast spread? It can. If you spread it. So, okay, avocado then. I'll go for avocado oh. just to just to, just to not be boring. <laughs> it's not boring. Like, I like Vegemite on toast, and then I put scrambled eggs on top of it. Ooh. 
that is my preferred way to have Vegemite on toast. Actually, I've never I've never tried that before. Have you tried Vegemite with avocado well, and no, eggs? because that would be insanity and I don't subscribe to your newsletter, so I've never heard such an idea. <laughs> I was wondering why you weren't around that, Baron. I think uh I like I don't know about you guys, uh, but I go through phases with a lot of different foods. Like I definitely have like months where I'm just like, I want toast with strawberry jam. That's all I want. I want like a bagel, strawberry jam. Well, like, and and like, that's it. And then I'm just like, I'm done with jam. Back to Vegemite, please. Jam, disgusting. It's nice to have a break because then it makes you appreciate it more when you go back to it. The only thing I find insane is people who put Nutella on toast sandwiches. Oh, that's wild to me. You're all crazy. Any yeah. one of you that does that. I stay away from Nutella in general, just not, too chocolatey. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, I just want to say uh, I I love all of you people who send us questions. You're all so great, and we love answering them. And we love that you like us enough to want to hear our answers to them. But Supercoach Mama, I would just like to give a special shout out, has had some top tier non-Supercoach questions. Uh, she was also, I believe, the person who submitted the question about the best AFL club song, which has an official tier list released by Clarkie. Uh, and she was where... also the one that released the question, that asked the question about the best hair as well. Yes, Supercoach Mama, you're doing the Lord's work and we love you for it. Baron? Thank you for joining us. You've got your Around the Grounds article, which is always helpful every single week, sort of gives us an, an idea of who's perhaps on the cusp of a debut, which is always good to know. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, fellas. You do you do good work. We love you. <laughs> and remember, you can ask questions before we put the post out on a Sunday night. Just, just know that they won't be answered until the following week. So any round-specific questions, you may as well just tweet at us. Or send us an email. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Baron, before we go, if you had to pick one for Supercoach, who would do better, Leck Dog or Patch? Oh, jeez. Um, I've seen Patch kick a football, so I'm probably just going to have to say Leck, even <laughs> though I've never seen him play. Because it can't be worse. Yeah, hear that, Patch? He doesn't love you. <laughs> yeah, but Patch wears sleeves. Yeah, but do you think Leck would step foot on a football field without sleeves? He would refuse. That'd be like a strike. Drawing whatever yeah. colour on his arms. He's colouring in his arms <laughs> with a texter. <laughs> Just Goodbye, community. <laughs> <laughs>